Hola, somos Tania Moreno y Daniela Álvarez de TCU. Y estás escuchando College Volleyball Weekly. ¡Go Frogs! This is Tania Moreno and Daniela Álvarez from TCU. And you are on College Beach Volleyball Weekly. ¡Go Frogs! Hi everyone, I'm Charlie Ekstrom of Stanford Beach Volleyball and you are listening to College Volleyball Weekly Beach Edition. Hi, I'm Alana Rennie of Arizona Beach Volleyball. And I'm Alex Parker of Arizona Beach Volleyball. And you're listening to College Beach Volleyball Weekly. Is that right? No. <laughs> hey, good day, everyone. Welcome to College Volleyball Weekly um, Beach Top 20. Got to get that straight here because I do a indoor men's top 15 so you gotta make sure you gotta get that clear here but as you see that is not a men's volleyball player on the screen that is charlie ekstrom of stanford now number eight stanford according to the recent polls that come came out this week but thanks for coming back on charlie thanks for having me as always mads we miss you but i'm glad that i could be here on this beautiful thursday morning <laughs> that's right and uh, mads is working away on a We'll, we'll call it a ad hoc practice assigned by coach uh, would have been on today and uh, definitely some big weekends coming up, which we totally understand. You got pac 12s coming up in uh, next weekend. Uh, she's got the CCSAs. I mean, everyone's coming into postseason. And one starts this week and that's a sun. And we'll talk about this in our notes here in a few moments, but we wanted to look at some of the week eight results. And I want to start by asking you, Charlie, um, what results caught your eye in week eight? Yeah. So I think the biggest like team of the week that I noticed and that I like had in my notes right off the bat was LMU. They kind of came out guns a blazing this weekend and they had some nasty upsets, especially, especially nasty upsets of number four FSU and number three UCLA. Um, UCLA came back and had the grudge match come back and defeated them yesterday in their senior day. But LMU in the Cal Poly Center of Effort Challenge really came out and was just, I mean, they only lost to USC. They beat everyone else, which was awesome to see. They're doing pretty incredible things. And other note is that they lost to USC 3-2. There are not many teams who are losing to USC 3-2 right now. So it's pretty impressive that they came out and just did some damage this past weekend. Yeah, I don't want to say uh, who it was, but I, I think you're familiar with uh, the losses that, uh, or the wins that LMU had. And I think one of your former partners was the victim of one of those uh, losses for SC. Yes. <laughs> it's a sunny day out there, but I mean, we love it. <laughs> you guys can check the website for those results. You won't say it here, but... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, you bring up an interesting point because LMU came in so hot at that center of effort challenge at uh, San Luis Obispo. And, you know, seeing those results, they are grinding and gritting. And I saw them, and although they lost yesterday in the grudge match at UCLA on senior day, you know, they have some really good pieces at each of the different um, pairs. You know, for instance, you have Avery Popinga and Marine Kina at the twos. And those are two long individuals who can block. And actually, uh, Marina defense, I mean, she gets to a lot of balls, you know, for and she's super agile. And in the number ones, um, you definitely have Reka Orsi-Toth and Megan Rice. And uh, Reka Orsi-Toth, phenomenal defender. She's so fast in her feet. And Megan Rice, 
just a crazy insane jumper and saw some insane block moves she made not on the ground but in the air reaching over pressing over so but uh what what's your experience with lmu charlie yeah i mean lmu like they're they're an incredible team and you just said it with megan and reika uh, when I saw that pairing, because I know that Reka was playing with Selena last year, Selena Marolf, mm-hmm. um, and they kind of were bouncing between ones, twos, maybe threes occasionally, but like really ones, twos, and they were a force last year. And so now they've got Megan and Reka together and Megan is a phenomenal athlete. I had the opportunity to train with her last summer and really get to know her. She's phenomenal and she's super physical. So watching the two of them together, like that's a pretty absurd combination, which is awesome. Um, You mentioned Avery and Marine, which I think they're a very fun pair to watch because they're very fun to compare to a partnership that I'm a little bit familiar with, with um, two, six, one blocker defender combos, which um, maybe rhymes with my own name and then Maddie Kriz. Um, (laughs) And so uh, watching them play, I think it was really fun because Maddie and I almost like look at their defense and we're like, oh, like those are some fun things that we can implement with one another. So I think that it's really fun to kind of like look at comparisons, look at the like absurd physicality that is like a big blocker and a big defender duo. Um, I think it's really cool. And I mean, LMU's got some depth to their program as well. So I think that, I mean, they've always been a, they've came in last year as a force and they have just stayed a force the whole year. So I think yeah. it's going to be really cool come trophy hunting season when we see some of these teams. Like, I don't think that the stage is just set very clearly. I think that there's some real good potential for some upsets coming out early. Yeah, I think, well, I don't want to jump too far into um, the conference tournaments because LMU, um, you know, they're they're looking really good in their conference tournament. And oh, yeah. uh, we'll talk about the NCAAs and after we do our little recap of the week, but um, one of the teams that I want, I've, I've been watching all season has been Grand Canyon because they're an independent, um, but they've stayed at seven the entire year of polls, it seems like so far in both the ABCA and the collegebeachvb.com poll. Um, they were undefeated last week, uh, 4-1 wins against Arizona, 3-2 versus Long Beach State, and then uh, SFA 5-0, Cal State Bakersfield 4-1. Um, kind of the real deal is what I'm beginning to realize. I saw them at the uh, battle for LA early on. I'm like, yeah, this team has potential. So um, any any thoughts on uh, Grand Canyon? Yeah. I mean, being as seeing as how I get to the fortunate piece of playing them this weekend, GCU has. Oh, did I set you up like that? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) GCU has definitely been fresh on the mind. They're an incredible team. I mean, last year we got to see them a couple of times. We beat them both times last year. This year, they beat us in some nail-biter games. Um, we, they beat us 3-2 to take over that number seven, which we had started at. We were kind of bouncing back and forth with them between seven and eight, and they've kind of stayed there after taking us 3-2. Um, I'm really excited to play them this weekend because they're really, really high energy. Um, they are loud, they are proud, they are fighters. And so I'm really excited to see how our game goes, uh, how our duel goes against GCU. But also, I mean, them being an independent going into, I mean, obviously we'll talk about this in the future with what, um, or like in a later point of today, mm-hmm. what NCAAs looks like, but them being closer to the West coast and being an independent school definitely makes it tough for them, but also makes it 
a very feasible place for them to be in. So, yeah. Well, they've had a, uh, was the ABCA pair of the week in Alanis Navas and Abby Hansen. Uh, oh my God, to see Bell for LA and uh, speaking with Abby Hansen, she's like, you know, Alanis or Alana, I think is what she goes by. She's like, yeah, it's crazy playing with her because she yells at me all the time. But I mean, it's good stuff. <laughs> it's just, she's just the fiery player and she gets me doing things that I don't normally do. But it was funny because Abby is so, you know, a nice girl. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, Allie, right? Allie? Yep. Allie. Yeah. Sorry. No. Abby, so many Allies and Abbies right now. <laughs> a lot of them, a lot of them. And they're all wonderful people. So it's easy to make. <laughs> but no, I mean, playing against them. I actually got the fortunate bit of playing against Allie and Alanis. And you're right. I mean, Alanis holds Allie to a very high standard, but also Allie holds herself to such a high standard. So they are intense. Like it's really funny, the court, the on-court versus off-court personalities, because they're both such sweet girls. But like when you're on the court with them, it is get after it, get gritty. It is really, it's a fun match when you play against Allie yeah. and Alanis. Um, anything else uh, catch your eye during the week? Yeah, I was going to say, looking down not down but in the middle of the rankings i want to hear your thoughts on fau um and just chat about fau for a second because i feel like we haven't talked about them a lot recently and they had a huge win over fiu 5-0 this weekend um and they and fiu have kind of both been at 12 13 like pretty consistently bouncing back and forth between the two but with that sweep of fiu i feel like fau should be kind of swinging into that role of stepping above FIU a little bit because they won 5-0 against FIU, 5-0 against Tulane, and that was their weekend. Um, so pretty impressive. FIU, in comparison, ha- beat Stetson and beat Tulane 3-2, but then also got swept by FAU. So not quite as forceful of a weekend for FIU, but a really forceful weekend for FAU. They came out ready. Hi everyone, this is Madison Fitzpatrick at Florida State, and you're listening or watching College Volleyball Weekly Beach Edition Top 20. Hi, I'm Erica Brock from FAU. Hi, I'm Mackenzie Morris from FAU. And you're you're listening listening to College Volleyball Weekly Beach Edition. Yeah, well, you know, um, with FAU, the mainstay in their lineup, and the, the winningest pair in the history of that program are Erica Brock and Mackenzie Morris. So, you know, with them as the staple, um, all the other pieces just have to do what they're called to do, grab two more and get the dual win. But they've been doing better than that, especially since um, FAU, FIU are in that new conference that's broken off, Conference USA. Um, they're definitely, and I guess we kind of have to talk about tournament teams because we're one week out of the conference yeah. tournaments. And it's hard not to see FAU getting the automatic qualifier because of their uh, record against other teams in that conference. And yeah. the fact of the matter is they've been one of the most stable teams in that conference. And, you know, as I was saying, they are, they are, their foundation comes from Morris and um, Brock. So expect good things from FAU. I expect to see them in Gulf Shores. You know, where it gets shady is who gets that at large berth. But we'll talk about that more because I, I, I've broken it down so I can see it. And I'm like, man, it's going to get messy in both sides when you start looking at the seventh and eighth bid out of the East and the West Coast. Yes, it definitely is. And I think like you brought up a great point there with FAU. Um, I feel like FAU is one of those teams that's been robbed or been so close the last several years. 
at coming to the national championship tournament and been robbed like that. I mean, Kenzie and Erica are a fantastic team and they've been that staple for so long, but that team has been deep for a long time. Um, so I'm really, I mean, being as one of the teams that made the national championship tournament last year when it was eight, I even was looking at it. I was like, there is so much more insane competition than just these eight teams here that should be here. I'm really happy that the NCAA expanded our bracket this year to 16. Um, I have so many positive thoughts on that because of the fact that I think that there are a lot of teams that deserve to be at this national championship tournament that are finally, hopefully going to break in and make it this year. Yeah. Hopefully us included. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the matches that caught my eye um, this last week is Hawaii at the number eight position, but they uh, actually suffered a loss to Washington three, two. But, you know, from what I can gather and, you know, once people start streaming or putting on their Instagram lives, um, from what I understand, the conditions were crazy insane because it was uh, hosted by Washington on the beach, uh, wind, rain, cold, and um, that basically, it's funny looking at the different climates where things are being played. You see the Native girls still wearing their uniforms their shorts and their tank tops the hawaiians are full garb (laughs) i feel like i mean talking to the girls from hawaii like they came for one of our home tournaments last year and it was like to us it was like sunny 60 degrees beautiful out like tanning season we're like all right like in between games jerseys come off like let's get our tans on and hawaii's like in parkas they're like, it's freezing here. We're like, come on, it's sunny. It was, it's so funny. Every time that they come to the mainland, it feels like they're always freezing because it's always so perfect there. And I'm like, nah, man, there's some elements, but we're good. It's so funny. <laughs> well, their head coach, Evan Silverstein, when they're out here for the Manhattan Beach event, uh, the uh, well, UCLA Invitational, he's wearing his Ugg boots or, you know, full jacket. And I'm like, it's not that cold. <laughs> like come on Evan pick it up pick it up (laughs) Um, so funny Hawaii though I mean they put up some really good wins this season they definitely they split with LMU they split with us they split with Berkeley um but they've also had a couple upsets that are a little bit uncharacteristic of them they lost to UC Davis earlier this season Mm 3-2 and now with the loss to Washington 3-2 I think that it's almost like that little hump of like the elements, like Hawaii kind of needs to be able to adjust to those elements because in beach volleyball, we never know what's going to be where. Um, And you just kind of have to almost expect the worst when you're going in and then get surprised by the best. And so, I mean, that's a big upset for Washington. That's Washington's second big upset of this season. They also upset Berkeley at the PAC 12 South tournament. And so, I mean, Washington's kind of coming in led by head coach Derek Olson they're doing some good things there and so I mean I think that in the years coming we're going to see them kind of breaking their way in yeah well let's look a little deeper in the what would be the we'll call it the teens to the 20 rankings of this week and uh, one of the teams that Georgia State had wins against South Carolina and uh, FGCU or Florida Gulf Coast University and uh, College of Charleston, which is a good statement for them. Unfortunately, because of the conference tournament they're going to be in, I don't know if it's going to be enough to get that at large because uh, they are in it with, I believe it's the FSU, LSU, and 
TCU. <laughs> yes. I believe that they are in that. I believe that they are in that branch of the CCSA. Um, a little interested at that split um, with um, FSU, LSU, TCU, and Georgia State all being in that same conference. I mean, that's a gnarly, I mean, being in a conference that is also gnarly with the Pac-12, <laughs> I, I know, I feel the pain. I feel the, I feel that. <laughs> so Georgia State, they need to come out ready for this conference tournament. Cause I mean, they've got opportunities to win some games and compete for that at-large spot or compete for that East coast spot that they might be able to get. Um, it's good to see that they're winning the games that they're supposed to. I think that that's always kind of the thing that you want at the end of season is like win the games that you're supposed to and fight for the upsets. Cause as long as you're winning what you're supposed to, if you can pull off a couple of those upsets, that's when you're competing the most for the at-large berth. Um, mm. And so, I mean, I, I feel them on those ones. Like the, they're winning the things that they're supposed to, which is really good to see out of them. Right. I also want to look to a little bit deeper as well with Arizona. Um, Arizona's had a couple upsets. They've had a couple losses, a couple wins here and there. Um, but I kind of wanted to ask you because we've had Atlanta on a couple times now. Um, mm -hmm. And I see their only loss this past weekend was to GCU, but they had a big win versus Long Beach State which Long Beach State has kind of been a force this season. They've been producing a lot of upsets themselves. So now to see them get upset by Arizona, um, where do you think this kind of puts Arizona in, contention, in contention with everything? Well, the unfortunate thing is like we were talking about the CCSA and where Georgia State was at, I guess Arizona would be the Georgia State of the Pac-12 because you've got Cal, you've got Stanford, hello, Charlie, <laughs> USC, UCLA, uh, and Washington is also playing well. So now, Arizona has been in the polls longer, and everyone seems to say being in the polls doesn't matter when it comes to the committee. But, I mean, to the to the eye test, like, who are you going to see? Oh, Arizona has been in the polls the entire season. Um, yeah. There may have been one week they fell off to Arizona State, but then he jumped back on the next week. But, you know, for the most part, Arizona has been really solid. Um, you know, to, to have a loss at Grand Canyon is not a bad thing because they are a solid program. They've beaten some top teams and they've got a great record. So <clears throat> Arizona um, is anchored by Atlanta and Alex Parkhurst. And they've got some other younger pieces that are developing, but they're they're coming through here in the tail end of the season, which means their development is going as planned for that program. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I've gotten to see them firsthand. I got to play them a couple of weeks ago. I don't even know at this point. I feel like season's gone by so fast. But also like the weeks feel like months. It's crazy. But I mean, they're a good team. They they fought with us. We I believe we took the win 4-1 with them, but everybody was fighting. Like there was nothing that was an easy win against Arizona. And so I mean, they're a great team. I mean, as we're coming into conference play, I hope that they I hope for them that they can keep winning the games that they're supposed to. For us, I hope that they're not upsetting and winning the games that they're not supposed to so that we can keep mm -hmm. winning the games that we're supposed to. Right. But I mean, we're going into Pac-12 championships. We have to, we have a weekend this weekend to uphold, but then next week going into Pac-12 championships, I know that something that we're prepared for is like every game in the Pac-12, as always, is going to be a gritty battle. So we have to be ready for fighting. Yeah. 
Well, let's move on to week nine and what's coming up. I know we've already got some match completions here, dual completions, which you know I'll share with you here. It's basically the UCLA gets revenge on LMU 4-1 uh, after the weekend at the Center of Effort Challenge in San Luis Obispo. But two particular pairs that I pick out that were the standouts were the LMU ones, um, Megan Rice and Reka Orsi Toth. They lost the first set against Abby Van Winkle and Lexi Denenberg but came back in firing fashion in sets two and three, but seeing their athleticism and their physicality, um, Megan Rice has got a strong arm swing, almost Charlie Extramesque, but (laughs) (laughs) I was watching Abby get touches on the blocks off hits of Megan and they were ricocheting so far out of play. Um, And Abby was getting good reads, but Megan was just out muscling the block because she is coming in with so much speed, with height on her approach and at apex for jump and hitting with full force and at seeing where that ball was going was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, she's got cannon. She does. <laughs> and she jumps high. I think that that's the other thing is that what we're seeing from a lot of talented blockers that might be considered undersized. Um, so I've heard that those of us who are six one are now the undersized blockers of the world, slightly unfortunate for us. Um, but something that I even talked with Megan about is that, being a quote unquote undersized blocker, we've both really kind of like honed in on working on our jump um, and really, really trying to get that angle so that we can get more power and have a little bit of advantage over these big blockers. Um, And she does a really good job of it. I mean, she, she has the arm swing that is absurd. Like she hits balls hard, but also flies. So she's just got a trajectory on the ball that a lot of people can't necessarily match up with. Like even blockers who do match up with it still struggle with it. Yeah. The other pair uh, for UCLA are the fours. And I mean, you've heard their names multiple times before. Sophie Moore and Nellie Miskowski, 22 and three in the season. They go to a three set tie break. They are becoming the new version of Ms. Little Miss Clutch. They are, they'll lose the first set or they'll drop a set and they'll come back and win in the third in, in you know, dramatic fashion. But they're so constant. They're just a stable, uh, great countenance on the court and they, their skills do the talking. Um, you know, they, LMU tried to, to focus their serve on Natalie yesterday. I'm like, gosh, do you want the bigger banger or the surgical striker in Natalie uh, or Sophie getting you? And they chose to go that route. And I saw Natalie pound so many balls. They're, they are awesome. And I think it's really cute. Like UCLA's team name for them is the teenagers. Cause I mean, they're <laughs> still 18, 19. They are still teenagers. And mm-hmm. so I think it's really cute. It's like, oh, the teenagers win again. The teenagers smoke some girls again, like, let's go. And I keep looking at them and I'm excited um, because they matched up last time that we played UCLA. They actually matched up with our teenagers. We had all freshmen with them and it was an all freshman duel that went to three. It was 15, 12 that they took it to clinch for UCLA. Um, And I, I know that I think that it was like one of the most heated matches that I've seen this season. I mean, they are really, really good. Um, and now they're kind of frustrating everybody that they're so young and so good. And mm-hmm. so now everybody, like, I think it's, everybody wants to beat them, but they're still right. beating everybody. So it's really cool. Yeah. Well, let's jump into uh, the 22nd, which is tomorrow. Uh, hopefully we'll get this episode out in the next few hours here, but I had two in mind, but I wanted to see what you saw as matches that, uh, or duels to, to focus on. I actually have the exact same two in mind for you because I think that these are both two big, big opportunities for all four or four opportunities for four teams. 
Um, so we can go off with the 22nd, the Arizona versus Cal Poly in yeah. Salt Lake City and LMU versus Long Beach State in Los Angeles. I mean, Arizona and Long Beach State, both being lower in the rankings um, than the two teams that they're playing, have some big opportunities here. Cal yeah. Poly's kind of had a bounce around season. So I think that this one, I mean, this is a very crucial win for Cal Poly over Arizona. Uh, and Long Beach State, they just got beat by Arizona, but they've put up some big upsets the rest of season. So them playing LMU, if they get upset LMU, could kind of put them into a really, really good contention. Um, and then Cal Poly with LMU, as long as they win, I mean, again, they're looking really good with their conference. Yeah. They're looking really good in general. Um, so, yeah. My take on it is actually it's big for three of the four teams participating because uh, Cal Poly, if they want to still have a chance at getting it at large, I feel like they would need to beat Arizona. Um, also for Long Beach State, in order to make that strong case, they at least have to compete with LMU. Beating them would be great, but I, I, you know, it's just hard for me to see that happening with the way their LMU is playing in the last few days. Now, anything can change, as we all know, but if uh, the eye test says, you know, LMU is playing really well right now, um, you know, for the most part, and Long Beach State is just on the cusp of something big. Yeah. Um, they just need to uh, not get those errors at those inopportune times, um, and they're going to have some they, if you can turn a couple of those errors around during the regular season they would have some big upsets under their resume um cal poly they've been playing some of the toughest opponents and the record doesn't show anything but you know it's a todd rogers coach team they're there they can play um but i also know that arizona is like they're vying for that at large bid and you know they're they're on the tail end of the out or they're in the front end of the outside looking in category when it comes when we start looking at the automatic early at large berths. So yeah, um, let's jump to twenty uh, third. Um, a Sun Championship starts out and that's a uh, number eighteen Stetson, number twenty FGCU's conference, and then you uh, University of uh, North Carolina Wilmington, College of Charleston, Mercer, Stephen F Austin, and Eastern Kentucky UNF, North Alabama, Central Arkansas, Jacksonville, and Jacksonville State. So that's a big tournament that's going to be happening. I believe it's tomorrow or is it 20, 23rd tomorrow? No, Friday. Saturday. My, my days are all messed up. So they're all twisted <laughs> up, but all that matters is that it's this weekend. <laughs> yep. And then I know that you're going to, I'm going to mention it for you because I'm going to want you to talk about, but man, it's a big brawl in the Pac-12. We have rivalry weekend, you know, don't be caught on the Stanford campus wearing any kind of blue because you may not come back alive. It's Cal versus Stanford. No blue, <laughs> no blue and, and no purple weekend. Purple, yeah. <laughs> yep. I remember went to a Cal Stanford football game and I watched a, uh, a news reporter get drilled by the Stanford crew. <laughs> oh and my goodness. UCLA at USC. And you know a lot of eyes are going to be on both of these matchups. So let's let's start. We'll end with your matchup, but let's talk about UCLA at USC. What are your thoughts on that? What could happen this weekend? I am very excited to see this one because they are split. Mm. I mean, literally, I think every season we see them split with each other. We see them battle back and forth. But right now, USC has the edge on UCLA because of the fact that they won 4-1 this past weekend. I'm intrigued to see how UCLA reacts and kind of comes back after kind of 
getting beat solidly by USC this past weekend. Um, I think that there are a lot of opportunities to be had. And I mean, these two teams are two teams that are going to be very much competing for that Pac-12 championship. I know that we're competing against them. So I'm excited to watch those games um, after they're done. <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> to hear how they go um, and just really get ready and prepare for what's beyond this weekend because of the fact that while we have a lot of stuff to do this weekend, I think that UCLA and USC playing each other now is going to be a really, really good indication of how much, like what the battle is going to look like for Pac-12 championships. And it's going to help with seeding for sure. Yep. Well, Cal versus Stanford. <laughs> I mean, there's obviously, you know, Stan, uh, Cal is without Mima Murkovic, which I mean, unfortunately, one of the, the most charismatic personalities in the game, just such a fun person. And unfortunately uh, had a knee injury and is done for the season, but Cal seems to have um, adjusted accordingly and are still competing at a pretty high level to be considered for an at-large, but you know, Stanford girls look good. Yeah. Zoe and, or sorry, Zelani Hodel. I got to pretend like I don't know them. Zelani Hodel, <laughs> Kate Kibbles, uh, is for this blocker with a wicked serve, Charlie Ekstrom and <laughs> a few other diva Maya and a bunch of girls are just playing well at the right time. So what do you think that's going to look like for you? And you're hosting right in the sands on Stanford. Yes, we are hosting. It is senior weekend. It is a big weekend at Stanford in general. And I think that topping it off with a grudge match with Cal, a rivalry match, is always a good one to kind of get for us. We are ready. It was a battle last time that we had to play them. I know that uh, Maddie and I, we went to three with Ainsley and Ava. Um, we ended up pulling off the win 16-14, and that ended up being the deciding fact. Like, that was one of the deciders. It was <clears throat> our fives, or it was our twos, fours, fives that pulled mm -hmm. it off for us last time. And our ones and threes, Cal ended up taking. Cal took the threes, was like a gnarly game. I want to say that the second set was like 27-25 or 28-26. It was super, it was like late. The sun was setting. I feel like it's every year we end up playing Cal and it's always the last game of the day. And we're always all like really, really fired up. And so I think that that's going to be another indication of what it's going to be this weekend. It's a 5 PM game. We've got, we've got our crowd. They've got their crowd. We've got, we're ready. And I mean, Stanford Cal games are always fun to play against. And then it's always fun at the end because we like each other in reality. I mean, we don't <laughs> like each other when we're playing each other but we do like each other as human beings. And so it's fun. Like after a like, great job, like you played awesome. No, you played awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't burn all your energy on that night because on Sunday, you're the last day of regular season, Stanford takes on number seven grand Canyon. And that could be a huge, huge scale tipper for either team for that at large. Yes. And they're going to look head to head when it comes down to, um, hit the, the matchups or getting the at large bid. So, uh, and we, we talked do. about Grand Canyon already, but man, a lot of pressure for Stanford this week. And being that it is senior with all those emotional things that are at stake, you know, especially with the crosstown rivalry to senior day. Well, actually, senior day will be celebrated on the 24th. So, you know, yes. you're spreading after, the emotionality. After the GCU, after the GCU game. Right. So, we go intensity to emotionality. 
<laughs> it's wild. I'm so old now that be, being that senior day actually affects me is kind of crazy. Um, but I mean, we're ready. GCU, like again, I think GCU and Cal are almost like equally rivals for us because of the fact that the games are always so close with both of them. Mm-hmm. I know from our end, we are working our tails off in practice and that we are ready to fight and ready to take some teams and we know that the opportunity is there to potentially compete for a west coast bid as opposed to just an at large if we have the opportunity here because i know that Mm -hmm. gcu is in the contingency of west coast bids as well as at large bids and so i think that we're coming in really really ready to fight and i'm 100 percent positive that they are also coming in ready to fight so i think i mean if you weren't if we weren't excited already for the cal versus stanford match i think that the GCU versus Stanford match is going to be equally as intense and just, I mean, I don't know, we got to come out ready. We got to come out fighting and so do they. So I'm excited to see where the tables turn. (laughs) Well, no doubt week nine is going to end in exciting fashion. So uh, we just have to wait for the results and find the streams. Are you guys on pack 12 this weekend? We, (laughs) we should be, I think, at least if not, we'll be on Stanford live stream. But okay. we should we will be streamed for sure. So be sure to check that out, fans. A lot of good volleyball up in Northern California, and well, UCLA at USC. I guess USC is doing their in-house stream as well. So, um, but I was going to talk about the uh, NCAA tournament and the changes for this year. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to direct all you listeners to the volleyballmag.com article. There's a great breakdown by Lee Feinswag, the editor and uh, writer of that piece, but it breaks down what that the tournament's going to look like this year. Essentially, there are eight conferences, one automatic qualifier for each of those conferences. But what I wanted us to do is forecast what that could look like, although it's not the end of the season. So from the West, I'm going to read mine. I think I sent you this this breakdown of at the bottom of uh, our notes, Charlie. But we'll start with the East. East, TCU, Florida State, LSU, Stetson. And then you have UT Martin. Out of that conference, I got to look at that conference name again. Um, UT Martin is out of Ohio Valley Conference. Texas A&M Corpus Christi would be out of the uh, Southland Conference. And then FIU. Then I have my outside looking in. Georgia State, Tulane, and FGCU. Um, What do you think, Charlie? The East Coast... Those are the automatics for the first few, but then who would be in contention for the at-larges? So Yeah, I mean, so looking in, we've got the big conference of Florida State, TCU, LSU, Georgia State. I mean, that's an intense conference, and only one of those teams is going to get an at-large. I think that the East Coast has a little bit of a tough point of being an east coast team and having a conference with those three not necessarily with two of them with tcu florida state lsu being three powerhouses and two of those three are not going to get a conference bid so i think that looking at east coast at large it's going to be one two out of those three that are going to get the east coast at large they've been high in the rankings they've put up huge wins so if tcu wins ccsa then i would expect florida state and lsu to get the east coast bids if florida state wins then tcu lsu if lsu wins then florida state and tcu um so i'm really expecting those three 
to be qualifying for the NCAA tournament, even though they're all three in a conference together, I would be pretty shocked if one of them didn't, if yeah. one or two of them didn't come out to the tournament. Well, the, uh, you, you still have FAU, which could, you know, anything could happen in that tournament because FAU, FIU is a rivalry. Um. <laughs> I'm for both of their sake, I hope that it's a close rivalry game because of the fact that then we look at at-large bids beyond the East Coast at-large, and there's four at-large bids beyond there. Um, and so I hope that neither of them get a sweep. I hope that it's a 3-2 nasty ending and that one of them gets the at-large and then, or one of them gets the conference bid and then the next one gets one of the four at-large that's remaining after that. Because I think that it would be huge for the East Coast to get one of those four larger at-large bids because of the fact yeah. that in the past it's been west coast dominated yep let's jump to the west coast and you know it's funny in the article that i referenced earlier for the pac-12 it's not who who's going to get in it's how many are going to get in um you know it's usc ucla cal and stanford and then you, you've got to take an honest look at arizona and washington what we talked about earlier but um, for the rest of the conferences, Hawaii, the Big West, Grand Canyon, the Independent, um, you have Long Beach State, uh, which in, they could upset Hawaii in the conference tournament, but got to be concerned for that, that uh, at large. And as my outside looking in, unfortunately, Cal Poly and Pepperdine. So um, wanted to get your thoughts on that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean. I just said beach volleyball has been largely a West Coast dominated sport, not to shortcut or short sell the East Coast teams because they're very talented. It's honestly really a coastal sport, I feel like, because of the fact that we see so much strength on both sides. Um, but I mean, the Pac-12 conference, I'd say we've got a lot of competition. Yeah. Big West, I think Hawaii and Long Beach State are both going to be vying for that position in the Big West. And they've split a bunch of games. I mean, I know Long Beach State came out and beat Hawaii 5-0, but also Hawaii has beat Long Beach State. Um, not 5-0, but Hawaii is still a very, very talented team and has put up some mm -hmm. big wins. So that's going to come down between the two of them as a very, very heated competition. Looking at LMU with West Coast Conference, I think LMU's got not comfort, but I feel like we'll be seeing LMU as the West Coast Conference bid. Um, Grand Canyon being a West Coast school, being a non-conference team, I mean, that just makes it that much harder to qualify as a West Coast school because Grand Canyon yeah. is, again, in the top eight and doesn't get a conference bid. So they're competing with a lot of other schools uh, and they don't have a conference. So they just are competing for that West Coast spot and then one of the at-large right off the bat. Yeah. Um, I think you're right with Cal Poly and Pepperdine being on the outside looking in for those West Coast berths. Um, they're both very talented teams. Like we've had to fight to win our games against Cal Poly and Pepperdine this season. They're both very talented. They just are in a powerhouse side of side of things. And so yeah. unfortunate for them, fortunate for the growth of the sport. Um, but yeah. Well, there we have it. You know, we talked about a lot surprising. I didn't think we would have enough for this episode, but as always, you know, we're in week nine and season's coming to close as we enter into conference tournaments. So uh, that's Charlie Action. Thanks for coming on to episode nine or 10. I lost track because I'm in a, a whirlwind of volleyball this week. So <laughs> thanks as always for having me. I mean, I'm glad that we can always make it work. And I'm glad that we always have some beach volleyball to talk about no matter what. Yeah, and I definitely want to announce, uh, got some special guests coming up next week, uh, Marty Swan and Jake Spiker Gibb. 
um, because uh, they're all about developing people and getting them into college programs. So I uh, thought I'd give them a chance to break, not only talk about what they're doing, but also talk about some of the top teams they're seeing. So Charlie, hey, oh, yeah. good luck this weekend. I wish I could join you on senior day. You know that that's, <laughs> you're one of those. <laughs> and Mads, we miss you. Um, yeah, we know that that life is on the horizon outside of your undergraduate, well, you're actually your, your graduate degree now. So and we know that you've got to do your stuff and you also got to play for a top ranked beach volleyball team in Florida State. So Missy Mads, Charlie, have a great week. Good luck and uh, looking forward to chatting with you next week. Yes. See you soon. Thank you.